0: Now, out the matter of us pulling it all together to like the whole joint and, and putting on what
1: i think will be a brilliant showcase for the sport
2: yeah we'll be honest with ourselves next week as usual and say okay it's a uh, stonking result but what could we have done better
1: finding that passion for racing again you know stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because i love racing cars and i love competing and that's really what's changed this year
0: hi everyone welcome to inside supercars shane van gisbergen from the red bull holden racing team here
3: Welcome Welcome to Inside Silvercars, Craig and Melvin Tony Whitlock. It's another post-Adelaide performance because uh, there's an awful amount that came out of it. One of the big things that came out of it, Craig, was uh, about driver health and safety.
4: It's been an interesting topic over the last few weeks, in fact, we have seen drivers you know, like at uh, Bathurst last year with David Reynolds collapsing in the car and uh, Shane Van Gisbergen and after the 12-hour having health issues as well. Yes,
1: indeed. And, indeed. and, and for, for that point, point we, we actually spoke, spoke to again. Dane
3: uh, not, not about the 12-hour, 12-hour performance, performance, but, but about these uh, drivers and all uh, the drivers, uh, drivers, really, the uh, way in which they can look to improve the performance for drivers and their and their safety. So... We spoke also to a couple of health professionals uh, which are on this week's show as well. Phil Young, who's from the uh, Wilkinshire Andretti uh, United team. And uh, a new man on the scene for uh, Erebus is Phil Rankin. He's a a Newcastle professional that's involved in this uh, business under Balance Energy Health. And we'll talk to them uh, later on the show. But first off, we'll... um,
4: uh, craig uh, roland dane as usual, he, uh very firm points of view and gave us inside information a number of aspects of the sport including uh the story you broke last week with garth tander's tribute at at the wanaroo raceway or barbagello i should call it and uh, what they had approached what supercars had approached him so that's coming up later in the show uh also interesting when you look at uh, we come into the Grand Prix and I, I'm sure you've got a, a list of stats on us but uh, the Grand Prix weekend is an interesting event now that it is part of the championship, isn't it?
3: It is indeed and of course it was a scene last year for uh, Scott Pye to uh, reinforce his place in the newly formed a year ago the uh, Andretti United team, Walkinshaw Andretti United team and he was very glad to at least... Uh, Get that win on, on off his back. Um, it was interesting also because of the number of teams that did shine brightly there. And uh, uh, I know that Roland will be looking closely at uh, the performance of the Mustangs. I mean, there've been suggestions, not from him really, but from other people around the paddock about parity and things like that. Well, I'm pretty sure when uh, we're told by a number of people that uh, the parity was the closest they've ever had from the aero testing that uh, it'll all make it for a good year. And, of course, uh, the DJR team Penske have only emulated, really, what uh, the 888 team did when they introduced the ZB last year in coming away with twin wins, which it was then, of course, Shane Van Gisbergen with twin poles and twin wins this year. Fabian uh, had a number of hiccups, as did a number of the Tickford drivers who couldn't get their Mustang to the line, but...
4: uh, It was an interesting weekend uh, you'll agree, Craig. It was indeed. and uh, Well, we've got a a number of interviews coming from last weekend and also from this weekend's racing that we'll be bringing to you over the next couple of weeks, which I'm sure many people will uh, find of interest. And as we head into the Grand Prix, we'll also um, have a chance to have a chat about the four races there, because you'll remember last year, Tony, that Nick Perk had had a brake issue uh, going into uh, that race, and uh, we found out from AP that it was a bleed nipple, now fascinated that we saw another brake problem at Brad Jones Racing at Clipsal this year, and of course that's what kept Macaulay Jones out of race number one of season 2019. Um, Same team. I'll make a point, Craig, to uh, have a chat, actually, to
3: Brad Jones and also others within the team to see if we can find out exactly what it was that uh, caused Macaulay. We've heard a a kink hose, uh, a brake hose on the front somewhere, but we'll we'll track that through. So, anyway, coming up after the break, we'll start off with this week's show and Roland Dane, his thoughts not only on the weekend's racing but also some bigger views of... uh, Things such as the fuel drop
0: and uh, pit stops and various other items. So after break, it's rolling name. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
2: Still a bit in shock. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, thanks everyone.
0: Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely on good luck for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Dick
4: Johnson from DJR Team Fenske. And you're on Inside Supercars.
3: We're with Roland Dane on Inside Supercars. Uh, tough weekend, but as Shane said yesterday, that uh, we think we're having a bad day, but we end up on the podium still.
2: Not yeah, so but, you know. Uh, I mean we've we've had three three podiums and in, in two races, so we'll take that. Um, I'm not quite sure where all the championship points are, other than obviously Scotty's leading, but um, but we're leading the teams championship, so. A solid start, but yeah, we're, we're certainly going to have to find some answers to some of the questions that have been raised.
3: Jamie talked yesterday in the press conference about, and you could see with some deficiencies, he didn't talk specifically what they were. Um, you've got a good feeling on, on fixing those deficiencies, maybe not for the Grand Prix, but you know,
2: they're, they're things that can be worked on in the car. Yeah, I mean, some of them are in our control, some of them aren't, and we'll uh, we'll do what we can with the tools we've got. Okay,
3: one of the things that we wanted to talk about, um, if I could, is the fuel drop. I mean, it, it's it's been a long time now in process, and um, it seems almost that you know almost redundant to be having it as part of the competition. Do you think at a time is
2: coming where it could go? Uh, so we we've actually had that debate in um, with a few people in the last week or two because we've introduced this uh, new lambda value uh, where you can't lean the car out. Uh, past a certain value, point nine zero, 90, 0. 90 lambda, um, and yeah, that's still being refined properly. But it's on it's on foot that rule now, um, with the idea of, of protecting people's in- engines and therefore making and, and them. And that with the longevity thing on parts, and that's so that, that process protecting the engines, yes. and the and with the so yeah, a part of the minimum drop rule, big part was to try and ensure that people didn't run their cars too lean. However course it does actually make the strategy more interesting so uh, there were various things going on in that race today which were dictated by the ability to get the fuel into the car that you needed for the 140 fuel drop um, and to be honest some of the racing is potentially improved by having the fuel drop yep. um, and it's something that before we change that if we were to we'd have to have a thorough look at whether it was the right thing to do
3: Okay. now one of the biggest other big changes this year was the uh, mechanical change from uh, Albans to the extract and that would at this very early stage seem to
2: have been a a great success how many people are talking about it nobody exactly
3: (laughs) Okay. Um, are there other cost cutting measures being looked at
2: as, as part of a cost containment program um well, cost containment one thing; cost cutting, something else. Okay. Uh, and, and I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm happy to to have both, really. But there's a there are various discussions at team owner level uh, with the senior management of supercars about making changes. But we're not going to, I hope, change the actual racing of what we do. So there are other things we can do. But we we shouldn't screw up uh on track activities because that's actually our dna that's what makes us good and yeah the racing this weekend might not be the best we've ever laid on in adelaide um and that's probably partly because it was so stinking hot yesterday everyone was just in survival mode um you know no safety cars at all and uh, for the dvs or the or the main series so Um, the racing wasn't the best we've ever had here but the cars still look spectacular they probably look more spectacular with the uh, new spring rule than they did before because they're a bit looser Um, that's part of what we do I don't want to screw up the show uh, what we put on track so it's very important to remember that as we start looking at or are looking actively at ways that we can try and contain things
3: Okay. I was very glad to hear Sean Seaman told me yesterday that uh, Garth Tander is going to be uh, a tribute to him in Perth, which obviously is an appropriate place for him. Uh, he also told me that it had been looked at for a wild card, but because of the development series there's no cars available. Were you considering something like that ever for Garth to drive one of your cars there?
2: I mean, uh, uh, Sean came to us and said, could we do it? And, and, and I said, I'd love to do it, but we just don't have the... Uh, uh, resources, you know, we've got we've got a crew that if if they weren't doing um, another program that weekend, could have could have done it. Yes. But uh, but yeah, calendar is the calendar. So and we've got we've got contractual obligations that we have to fulfil.
5: Yeah,
3: and apart from obviously not ending up to the top of both points score this weekend, it's
2: been a good weekend for Triple Eight. Well, I don't think it's been a bad one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we at the end of the day, we haven't competed for the win. And uh, we've yeah we've been close in one lap speed. I think I think Shane's shootout lap this morning was exceptional. Yep. Uh, the the lap yeah was only bettered by um, by uh, Scotty. And by the time Scotty was on track, the track itself was very different. Yeah. You know, Shane was the first runner after Touring Car Masters, and uh, the track is never good when you go out on that. So um, by the time you get two or three cars over it that track's changed for the better and so Shane's job was exceptional this morning uh, in, the, in the shootout to you know, go from having a problem in quality and 10th to P2 doesn't happen that often. With the exception of Cam Waters and a failed cool, cool
3: suit which obviously the rules and regulations work well to get him fixed um, are there more savings or more uh, driver protection to come with air conditioning being considered or something like that in the future?
2: A full air conditioning system in our cars today is an impractical notion. It's only proposed by people who don't understand the energy that's needed to cool a space that big. And we would need a condenser that sat in front of our engine cooling system, engine cooling radiator, and therefore took the engine cooling radiator temperature up like this. So um, it's not a practical notion in our... Cars at the moment yep. you can always refine what we're doing and there are yeah, there's an awful lot of research being paid for by particularly u.s government into cooling personnel in hot countries um you yeah, to be honest over the last 25 years since the potential war front moved from northern europe to the middle east yeah. they've been looking at that sort of stuff so there there are things that can be relevant to us in future but full aircon system in our cars is, is not a practical proposition in in the some of the mid-engine gt cars because of the potential for layout and, and things like condensers etc then and because they're all engineered as road cars you yeah, know with aircon systems then there's uh there's far more potential yeah. but some of them work and some of them don't let me tell you some of them are shocking yeah i mean the ferrari one two years ago when we ran the ferrari at the 12 hour was actually once we got it working properly it was good
3: we had some near calamities here before you arrived in the country and, and joined the category uh at this race paul Radisich, john
2: faulkner steve owen well, steve oh. as well i was here i remember, I remember it very well yeah and, and um so uh but and, and i honestly think that as 888, we were the first people to develop a cool suit in the way that we have. With the dry ice total loss system, people were using eskies with ice in them before we started. To, and now, of course, you know, for some years, other people have done their own version of what we did um, and, and introduced to the to the category in 06.
4: It's interesting that we have one hot race and we start talking about cool suit technology and... and driver mitigation programs and uh, Bravo was set up in case of uh, uh, a number of drivers needing to be uh, whisked off into a cool environment for medical treatment but I think it becomes relevant if we start looking or if supercars are serious about running more and more races in the hotter climate of Australia over the, uh, the summer and the fringes which uh, would then bring in a lot more focus why would it do that
2: well because you'd be running in hotter and hotter climates but but the whole point about going to um, a summer orientated if you like calendar early in the year
4: is almost certainly to race in the evening but what about all the supports and all the other classes that would then be racing in the hotter climate without the support that you guys have 20
2: laps is a completely different thing from uh, to be honest Uh, doing 20 laps is very different from doing you know 70, 80, 100 laps, very different propositions. So um, there are yeah people racing in hot weather, um, plenty of places in the world doing short races. Uh, that's not the issue. Um, if, you, if you if you can't stand in sand, that sort of race, well then you probably shouldn't be in the race car. Um, it's where you get the longer distance ones and all the heat soak and everything etc. That's what that's where it comes into play, and and hopefully. Uh, yeah, not only us, the support races are uh, uh, racing in the, in the evening uh, and into, you know, into a Friday and Saturday
4: night. We saw... We... in Tasmania, where it's never going to get that hot. <laughs> it might get hot, but not that hot. We, uh, we have seen with Sydney, the experience at Sydney, and even today with this much longer format over the course of the Adelaide race, would you also like to consider a lockout until a certain time in the morning before you can return or have some sort of curfews obviously a repaired car is going to be exempt from a curfew to try and keep the numbers yeah, up but mean, so we've been having a discussion
2: I've been having the discussion with supercars for years and they've started now especially with Adrian there to pay more attention to it and we are putting in some, uh, some controls just to make sure that it's all governed by what time we've got activities here and um, so, if we're racing, if we're racing later on a Saturday, and then we're going to race on a Sunday or Friday, Saturday, whichever way it is, um, then we've got to allow a, a recovery period. The only, it's not not only, but it's mainly a street circuit issue because the street circuits are so hard on the cars. So even if you haven't got a damaged car, you've still got the running gear takes much more of a beating. So, therefore, there's more service work if you want to keep the reliability rate that we've that we've got
4: and had for many years. But Sydney was an ordeal for everyone last year because you were finishing at eleven, twelve o'clock, even if you didn't have any problem at all, and backing up seven, eight in the morning. You mean Sydney Motorsport Park? Sydney Motorsport Park. Sorry, yeah,
2: the night race. No, it wasn't really. We only had one race that weekend. Yeah, you know, if you've got one race, it's a little bit easier. Let me tell you. So we had no. The, you had the Friday night practice. Yeah, so but they- that wasn't. You've got practice at a at a purpose-made circuit. Um, uh, we didn't have any complaints about Sydney Motorsport Park at all, uh, because it was a it was one, um, it was one race, uh, and it, it, even if it had been two races on Saturday night, for instance, which I've spoken about, it that's that's not the drama. Yeah, the drama is when you have a long race on a one night or late in the day or whatever, and then you have a, another the following day. And so that's something you really want them to address, and it well, sounds like been, they are. It, yeah, we've been talking about it. Adrian is... Uh, the good thing about Adrian is he comes from a, a team environment, and, and hopefully, unlike some of the other people who've come out of that, he doesn't forget his roots. And I, I don't think I don't think he will. Well, thank you for your time, Roland. No Greatly appreciate it, and look forward to catch up with the Grand Prix. Good.
3: And after the break... Phil Young on the drivers in the Walkinshaw Andretti United
0: teams and how he works with them. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au.
5: Hi, I'm Tony Delberto from Shell V Power Racing. Welcome to Inside Supercars.
3: Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Craig Vell and Tony Whitlock. Talking to a number of professionals from the uh, health side of the motorsport business, and of course, they're both men who are involved in uh, driver comfort, not only comfort, but uh, driver performance and health. Uh, First off, we'll be listening and hearing from Phil Young, who's from a company called GP Human Performance, the Walkinshaw Andretti United driver performance man. First of all, tell us where your motorsport career started.
1: I originally started uh, my motorsport career in uh, in the UK uh, in 2000, uh, where I started as a uh, a physio for the Benetton team. So uh, that's where it all started for me. Uh, Formula One from 2000 to 2007. Uh, from then um, I moved over to Australia and started working in supercars. Um, met up with uh, James Courtney uh, when he was at um, at uh, DJR. Uh, went through the uh, championship year with him. Uh, been with him ever since. So uh, um as he said the other day i've uh i've been with him almost as long as he's been with his wife
3: phil what does your job entail for the drivers first of all when you were involved with formula one and now the drivers in uh ovens on wheels or supercars
1: yeah for sure the uh i mean in formula one obviously the biggest uh the biggest thing for them is the g-force that they pull so both laterally uh acceleration and braking g's um uh they're an open top uh type of vehicle so uh their air conditioning is a lot better than uh and as you say our ovens on wheels so uh that's the big difference they they really have uh to work hard on their uh neck strength for the uh the, the g-forces we have to work hard on uh conditioning our guys for the heat because that's the main thing that uh uh, will affect their performance in the car.
3: Bill, can you give us an idea on how you prepare your drivers for the new season and then for the
1: enduros? Yes, of course. And, uh, you know, when, when we know, uh, we've got longer races coming up, um, and we certainly do this for the start of the season, uh, knowing that Clipsaw is a, is, is two long races and the potential to be as it was last weekend, uh, very hot. Um, so our pre-season would, would involve at least uh, uh, one training camp where we'd be uh, somewhere hot and humid and working outside and, and trying to condition our guys to, uh, to the sort of conditions that they were going to be feeling at the first race. Also, you know, pre-endurance rounds, uh, certainly Bathurst, we would do the same thing again. And uh, we'd be looking again for somewhere uh, in a heated environment environment but also you know working on more on the endurance phase of of our physical training
3: how did James and Scott uh, come out of the weekend they certainly appear to be look uh, fit and, and healthy on the uh, Saturday and Sunday
1: they they come up the, out of the weekend pretty well uh, considering I, I mean for me personally that's the highest race, race I've ever been involved in in, in 20 years um, so I, I think it's full credit to both the drivers for their their fitness and their dedication to fitness, uh, but also to the team for you know uh, putting measures in place to to help you know in, in a small way to uh, to you know try and maximise the calling in the car.
3: Is air conditioning something that should be added as a standard in, to our
1: supercars? Yeah, it's it's always it's always a difficult thing because. Uh, yeah uh most engineers will be engineering the car around performance uh performance doesn't always equal uh comfort certainly in the car so uh, i think you know that's that's always going to be uh, a performance side of things that's going to uh take take precedent i suppose uh for me personally obviously i i'm more involved with driver with the driver welfare um and you know, for me, uh, looking at it and looking at other categories, I, I really can't uh, see why there can't be a standardised aircon system uh, in all the cars. makes it makes it safer for everybody, safer for the drivers, and you know, everybody has the same the same uh, setup, so uh, there's no performance advantage.
3: How do you go about measuring uh, performance uh, for the drivers before the event and knowing when they're uh... Up to the right level for endurance races.
1: Yeah, well, um, it's one uh, one other thing. Uh, you know, when you're looking at performance, uh, you want to uh, look for a little one percenters, if you like. Um, and one of the things that we do, and I'm involved in now, is um, is testing our drivers for their sweat concentration. So the actual concentration of sodium within their sweat. Uh, this is really important because it has uh, a major impact on import, uh, on on health and performance um if uh, your sodium levels become too low uh, we could go into many many uh, hours of talking about that but that's basically what uh, what the machine uh, is and does so what i what we can do is analyze uh, their sodium concentration and then from there we can individually uh, customize their hydration program both pre during and post race, so it gives us a bit of an advantage really knowing that um, they're actually being hy- hydrated to the max um, rather than having a hydration plan that's sort of one size fits all um, we can we can tailor them to each individual driver we, we, we sort of we sort of talk about it as well you wouldn't go into a shop and buy a one size fit all shirt. Um, you'd find you'd, you'd find a shirt of, that fits you, and that's that's exactly what we do doing uh, in in that way.
3: Are you involved all year in the team getting them ready? Obviously Bathurst is a big part of it.
1: Yes, I go to all the events. Um, yeah, certainly for her, for us, um, in terms of you know, heated environments and, uh, with the drivers. Darwin's probably our next one, uh, followed by possibly Townsville, which can be quite warm um but yeah yeah you're right The our main focus after that would then be uh looking at the enduros and and especially bathurst uh it's going to be interesting this year because i think bathurst is is now the first of the enduros so um the conditioning that we have to do with the drivers is going to be a lot more going to have to be a lot more intense because they haven't got the luxury of uh like almost like a warm-up event uh, as in Sandown, so we have to be on our toes for that one.
3: How involved in your drivers and their co-drivers' preparation are you? Food, etc.
1: Yeah, of course, and uh, I think that that, that continue, continued uh, partnership between the, the two um, is is a great asset when you come to uh, uh, obviously for me to work out what their training plans are, uh, but also you know a, a major part of uh, Enduros and having an enduro partner, if you like, is that they get on well, and um, you know that's for us is is a is a major thing, and they both you know they obviously all get on really well, so uh, that makes a big difference when you you're trying to work as a team.
3: You're involved in the diet and the food for both drivers. They certainly all appear as seasoned professionals.
1: Uh, pretty much um, uh, make suggestions rather than stick to, to anything uh, really rigid. Uh, obviously with Jack, for instance, um, uh, with his type 1 diabetes, he has, he's very much aware of his nutritional uh, needs um, and he basically takes care of that. But obviously I'm there to oversee if uh, there's any issues with that. Um, rest of the guys are pretty good anyway. Um, they're, they they're also, as you say, seasoned professionals. Um, and you know, they've, they probably learned along the way, uh, uh, what to and what not to do in, in terms of nutrition. But, uh, certainly at a racetrack over race weekends, um, I have a much more direct input into, uh, what they, uh, what they consume.
3: After the break, Erebus Penwright's team, Their health professional, Phil Rankin from Balance Energy Health, will tell us how he started working with the team to give
0: their drivers a better chance for surviving the heat of Adelaide. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. you know. Through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh,
3: we were able to beat the 2 to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the Raptors and the family.
0: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Macaulay
4: Jones. i from the Cool Drive Radio. Team, and
0: you're listening
3: to Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. My name is Tony Whitlock, and I'm with Phil Rankin from Newcastle, and from a company that's known as Balance Energy Health. Uh, Phil's been involved for a short time with Dave Reynolds and the Erebus team, and Anton Pipersqually. And I uh, was asking Phil to describe, a first of all, what he does for his young drivers here. Uh, to help them cope
5: with the heat and the performance of the human body. Great, Tony, thank you. Um, well, simply we're testing urine and saliva to see how far away from perfect their biochemistry is, and that's to do with nutrition, hydration, um, many aspects of the um, sugars, salts, pHs, etc. We're getting some real time testing on the spot and then guiding them to. Improve that biochemistry. So our focus on the testing's focus is to put them in the best place for performance, and more importantly, and just as important, is sports is the recovery, the next hour, the next uh, three hours, ready for the next race the next day.
3: Okay. Now, an important part of that is obviously the analysis
5: of those uh, samples. So, how does that go about? Well, like many things, um, it's hard to going we're not guessing anymore we're, we're getting real-time data on uh their biochemistry uh we can react immediately uh so we put some numbers into a a program software program that developed two years ago and we're tracking hydration health we're deciding on what to eat next when to eat it and how much how long that energy will last basically so we we've practiced like they practiced in the last in the first two days, um, with with not drinking water, with drinking water based on their numbers, and you see what the impact it has on. It. That's right, yes, and the the big drop off in the energy in their biochemistry when they're not drinking water was phenomenal. And so we trialed it just in the short um, short trials that they were having, just the practice sessions, ready for the race and pretty much on the testing on the scores and when they uh in the in the real race in two hours i think we went in at 85 uh, percent scored and i think we came out at 88 we oh, were wow. our feet didn't touch the ground and the all the boys in the room a fantastic team at erebus racing team all the boys recognised how well the boys came out of the car.
3: It's long amazed me that
5: there hasn't been greater
3: recognition of if you want to improve performance is one thing is keep the prime ingredient in that uh, at their peak. Um, so while you come from Newcastle this isn't where you came into
0: the
5: thing. You didn't want to down pit lane go,
3: hey guys, you want?" It? Yeah, yeah,
5: come and, come and I'll take some samples. No, it's been the most bizarre journey and much thanks to Luke Egan, ex uh, world number two surfer who's been testing pro athletes, uh Friend of his as well, Narm Borwin testing uh, elite athletes in the coming up for the Olympics. All uh, are thoroughly impressed by the testing to give them uh, real, real information at the time they need it, not week later or two yeah, weeks later, yeah, and so yeah. days later.
3: Yeah. Or
5: days later, you know, we, we need it at the moment. And the big underlying gold in looking after these athletes is the recovery. Yep reducing possible injuries and recovering ready to go again the next day. Okay.
3: Now, it's Mark Scaife who actually who you were led to this. Yes. Because Mark's sort of taken Dave Reynolds under his wing a little bit. Yes. Um, and while you were there, you would know of that, uh, the incident that happened at Patrick's, that David wasn't able to deliver mm. what was necessary. There were a few accusations that were thrown around against the team, and some of, them, some of them quite incorrectly. You know, for instance, oh, they, you know, they should have been listening to his voice. Well, I'm sure that uh, Alistair McBean has been with Dave Reynolds for quite some years, and I'm sure he knew and judged what Dave would say to him. I've recently learnt um, of some things that Dave did before the uh, uh, race last year that uh, jeopardised his performance. Um, things to do with his diet that he changed, and things like that. Um, you obviously have covered all
5: those sort of grounds before this event with David. Look, yes, there's, there's a couple of factors to that. What, one is what happened happened, and there was probably a number of reasons for those results, and we'll never know. It would be all guessing as far as diet, hydration, nutrition goes, and obviously it wasn't great. Um, this, this team, for me, in the last five days is exceptionally professional, right down to the chefs in the kitchen, the camaraderie behind the team. So I'm sure they would have had his best interests at heart, and there's no doubt that uh, a team works together, wins together. So now we've got some real data on Dave that's unlikely to ever happen again. if He sticks to the program.
3: Okay, now just looking at this weekend, now you've been involved for less than a week,
5: mm-hmm.
3: um, so what are the things that you immediately turned your attention to that you could change and you know, what were the sort of the changes that you made to make sure that when he came out of the race yesterday he was not what would
5: have been expected? Well it's so funny, the The analogy I've used for a number of years now is using the vehicle, there's so many component parts, they've got maybe over 500 points of data on the on the vehicle, none on the none on Dave. So preparation is the key to success. Here is we gonna build momentum, and over the last four days, his hydration average has been improving up to the ideal place. The salt has been reducing in his biochemistry, so his carb salt ratio is down, and the uh, overall health score is gradually increasing. Now, this is just in four days. So preparation is the key to build the momentum, just like that garage in there, the boys working on all the little things that matter the most.
3: Okay, all right. Um, and so diet is obviously one of the crucial things, and the hydration. Did you put forward ideas on what he should be doing, and as Dave said, yeah, that makes sense? Or...
5: Absolutely, yeah. That was That's the wonderful acceptance here. They're very open to adding... Uh, some components to improve taking some of those components away that don't support his well-being so diet and hydration yes but building up to this uh, over the next two weeks say for example to next two weeks in Melbourne will be all about preparation and not coming in with radical changes in numbers uh, like a smooth landing will be all prepared and I think you'll see, watch this space, you'll see a different guy this year.
3: There's about a 10 year age span between Anton and David. Um, I've never seen either of them being as uh, slack with their health. They're both trim young men. While both of them are uh, ex-go-kart Formula Ford champs, Anton spent time in Europe. I mean Anton, when I was speaking to him earlier this week and when he won the Peter Brock Award he's well conscious of that it's not just being skinny and carrying, uh, you know, sort of little fat, you've actually got to have some fat on you to help survive, a, a being pushed to the limit sort of thing.
5: We can, we correct, and we can put those numbers to work for him. If he's in a good place and the, and the data coming out of the results is in the zone that we're requiring, he's going to use those fats. Now, here's a very interesting point in the world of sports and performance. It's It's, it's not always just about fitness we've got to not uh, we've got to reflect back on the f- the wellness factor you, just because they're fit it doesn't mean they're well and that's that can mean hydration diet preparation and rest etc
3: have you seen some of the backgrounds of races here sort of thing are you conscious of that in the early days
5: no not at okay. all
3: okay no compulsory cool suits in those days as the rule is now um the team's paid far less attention to, to keeping the interiors as cool as they did. In fact, it always has amazing me that the team don't seem to spend as much time keeping the heat out of the car.
0: Mm.
3: Um, I, I had a couple of teams yesterday who were telling me absolute porky pies, thinking I must be stupid, talking about how it was only
5: a high 40s temperature in the car. No, uh, it was 60s. 60s. Yeah. Oh, now, the body's got its natural cooling mechanism, however, if it, again... It's like it, dogs panting. That's correct. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so, look, I think we've... The boys are doing this firstly for themselves and then for the team. If they've got a great energy in them, they stepped out of the car, the vibration went right round the room, comments have been made, just how well they looked and felt. Now, that's energy's contagious, and the, uh, the whole team felt that way. In the past, what's happening is we're slowing even an ageing process in those drivers. Their overall health for well-being for a long term, they're not going to come out of their sport when someone else comes along a bit faster, feeling worse. Um, These guys are going to come out with a great lifestyle good mindfulness on their nutrition be aware of their own health all in good time tony i think their intention is to share their discoveries if you like of looking after their own health with the people that love racing and share that with the whole community because men women children we we need to take responsibility for our own health now we've now there's no guessing
3: I've been long aware of the different metabolic rates and things like that that people have and the way they're recover things yes. so anton and, and David you know there is that 10-year gap between them in age it was there much in them in their performance
5: so everybody's different and so over the thousands of testings over the years uh, there's not one identical test so therefore there won't be one identical program food list of foods or or levels of hydration which will be identical so however their outputs have been tremendous their 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 dedication in these four days to consistently test um consistently the inputs of food nutrition time for themselves breathing etc is wonderful so each of us need that individual focus to look after oneself and and it will be different their age difference look we, we, we can get the best performance out of that person, no matter the age. You and I are just a little bit older than them. We can still op- operate at our optimum performance, whatever that be. Add some fitness to it as well, some rest and movement, etc. And literally, we're slowing an aging process.
3: Okay. Now, the best place for people to actually learn more about this is on your website, which is balanceenergyhealth.com.au.
5: Yes, thank you. And uh, we we will be holding monthly uh, webinars just for people's interest and me- there's there's a thousand questions from what's already known out there. It's a, simply a tool. Yes, thank you Tony. So balanceenergyhealth.com.au will have some webinars going on to answer a lot of questions. Um, but there's a simply a tool there that's that anyone can use. Families can take it home and use it with their the whole family and test themselves and literally put their health in their their own hands.
3: To be of use yesterday to Erebus and to Dave and Anton, you had to have a couple of
5: days prior to sort of learn what their baseline was, did you? No, this is the beauty. We can we can literally you can step into the into the ring. It it doesn't the past so much doesn't matter. We're we're moving the biochemistry to its ideal place from this moment on. So what you have, or what you've had, or what's happened in the past is the past. So today, I want to see where you're actually at. And, and to, to sign up with Balance Energy Health, um,
3: it, you know, is there a, a daily, a weekly, a monthly fee? Is there a, what, what do
5: people get for? Their... So there's two levels of instruments. We'll buy a pr- practitioner level instrument or a personal level instrument. So we get three instruments basically, and there's a monthly subscription either for yourself individually or for a family. And people can test as many times as they want during the day. They learn what is ever needed. Once people once people can purchase their instruments and pay a monthly subscription, you can use this system and the software for yourself as a uh, one person, one-off, test as many times in the day or, or use the tool to, for the whole family. So that'll show you and guide you to what to eat what to drink and what minerals are missing out of the body to improve your biochemistry. Sounds all complicated, it's simple. What we've actually learnt to do is our salts and carbs are too high or too low and the pH is too fast or too slow. We're keeping it simple. And it's it's basically putting health back into people's hands. After the break, our final thoughts on Inside Supercars. Each
0: week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year
4: in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as BS yeah, Supercars in Australia is where I see myself.
0: Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a lucky unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Freeway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au Welcome to Inside
4: Supercars, this is Ryan Story from DJR Team Penske, enjoy the show.
3: Welcome back to Inside Supercars, Craig Veldman and Tony Whitlock. Our final thoughts, mine, Craig, revolves around the driver health as we've been talking about. The great thing that I thought this year was, having been there since '99 when it started Adelaide, we didn't see any drivers falling out of their cars, as has happened in years past. Paul Radisic, John Faulkner, Steve Owen, you know, it, it, it's a far better case now. The teams seem to far more keep their drivers' performance as something that is important to them. And they're making a priority to make sure that their drivers are looked after properly, and that seemed to be the evidence was there in front of us after the race. Would you agree?
4: Yeah, I do agree with that. And it was going to be, if ever ever there was going to be a race where you'd have uh, dramas, it was going to be on that Saturday with 40 degree plus temperatures. And uh, I I can't remember if we mentioned it last week on the show, but um, the medical teams had set up what they call their Bravo point uh, ready to take uh, any additional drivers in distress. Um, immediately so you know all precautions were being taken not only by the teams as we've already heard throughout the show but also by the first uh, the 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 first aid medical team that are on hand which is a a credit to uh, a large team of people who are part of the uh, racing medical department
3: And Craig, um, the Grand Prix this weekend, four races, it should be a fascinating weekend, a big wide open circuit.
4: It will be, but I still, maybe I'm living in the dark ages, but I still don't think this race is a championship round. And it, if you want to make something even more convoluted and, uh, and confusing to the fan, explain why you've got points races over the cross the weekend that are of different values of different merits and i'm pretty sure they're going the same distance every time so I, i i just think that whilst this is the biggest stage in motor racing in australia corporately points racing for supercars to me just doesn't sit no i understand why they want to do it but it just doesn't sit right. It, it still seems like it's a Tinkerbell, if you like. I'll take that
3: thought with me as I watch the four races, and uh, we'll catch up next week and uh, see what stories come out of the Australian Grand Prix support races for V8 Supercars and the Virgin Australian Championship. So, from me on Inside
4: Supercars, it's good night. And good night from him.
0: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.